Hey, how's it going? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. Just, uh, oh my God. <laughs> what's <Yeah>. up? <laughs> oh, no, I was saying, I was saying, wow, we already got a caller. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go, go on. No, I oh, know. I was just, uh, I, you know how it is being old, bro. Like, uh, when, when you, uh, do stuff like, uh, uh, take trips, even if they're like, you know, short trips out of town or whatever, um, it, it takes a toll on you. Like, I, I spent all day Friday basically like walking up and down the east side of Buffalo. And, uh, yeah, when I when I got back yesterday, I was just I was washed like all day yesterday and today. What is it? What is it like in uh, Buffalo these days? Like 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 is it gentrified at all? What is, what is it like? It, it it's was starting to get depressed. there. Okay, yeah, it was pretty depressed last time I uh, used to live there, but that was like a while ago. Like a late um, so there's like a I guess like a what they call a medical corridor. So there's uh, some uh, really well funded medical institutions that are setting up shop in in the side of buffalo but then the the problem is um not only do you have these these new medical complexes like uh, you know cancer treatment centers and and um other sort of like specialty clinics but you also have all of the staff that work there you know so you'll have like doctors and nurses and oncologists and all sorts of other high-paid employees and they're cheek by jowl with some of the poorest people in the country mm. so it's yeah it's it's wildly economically segregated nobody seems to be happy um even some it's of the very miserable place yeah yeah even some of the police i spoke to there like they were they were just not having a good time at all um some of the police were complaining that they don't um get enough in the way of uh support from the city um they're sort of left to their own devices i think there's like 700 odd police officers in the city um all of them are complaining about um, underfunding that uh the city does get a certain amount of money that's supposed to be going towards um towards uh you know up, like modernizing their equipment and training, et cetera, et cetera. But they don't really see a dime of it. They have to share equipment. And then people I spoke to on the street were saying that, uh, you know, money's going towards all kinds of programs and going towards uh, community services to churches that are supposed to be distributed to people in the neighborhood or to set up new programs um, to create some sort of like social services safety net. And nobody seems to be seeing any of it. So no matter who you speak to, um, if they're at the street level, whether they're a civilian, whether they're a public service employee, whether they're a police officer or whatever, everyone seems to be just fucking miserable and seeing none of the the newfound wealth that the city supposedly is falling into. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The the um the city is pretty economically segregated. It's pretty racially segregated too. It's a pretty crazy. Um, place and people used to these have a lot of uh, brain drain a lot of flight from there because a lot of people just didn't didn't want to stay I was kind of curious if any of that has gotten reversed because they have the education institutions are pretty good there especially for um, medicine their med school their um, their dental school all this stuff they um, Mm -hmm. you know they they have a lot of smart people passing through Buffalo but uh, I mean, the only incentive anybody ever had to really stay in Buffalo, really, was that property value and cost of living is super cheap. So, but that could really take you so far as far as, you know. Yeah, I mean, there there was a, there used to be a culture of householders, from what I'm told, that uh, people were buying into the real estate market, hoping that it yeah. was, they were going to have a hot hand at some point. But uh, even the, even the Airbnb that I was staying in, um, it flipped probably... I would say like six times in the past fifteen or so years. Um, mm. I think I think partially because the place was fucking haunted. 
<laughs> like I'm, oh, okay. I'm, pos- I'm positive oh, wow. somebody died in there. Um, wow. But also because, you know, people were buying and, and holding, hoping that the market would heat up and it just never really did. Um, so I, it does I, seem I, to I, be, I, yeah. Some in the chat said Buffalo and Rochester are going to grow over the next decade, but the weather in Buffalo is just so bad. But I mean, I mean, Toronto has like bad Fairly weather. similar weather. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that place is still like an oasis compared to um buffalo like like i enjoy going to toronto but yeah yeah i mean you know the the population of buffalo is probably like 200 220,000 people um the city of toronto proper is well over a million people um so yeah there's just there's just no comparison like one one uh one of the former boroughs of toronto would equal buffalo's population easily Mm. Um, and I mean, Buffalo is still yeah. worse in weather because of uh, how close it is to the lake. But still, if they had something there, people would put up with it. You know, I mean, Toronto is right next to the lake. Okay, right. It's, it's like it's right off of Lake Ontario. But uh, oh, I, I think, right. yeah, I think I think with Buffalo, the uh, the issue there is that they don't really have any sort of like geographic variance that helps um, sort of smooth out the. Uh, the, the the lake effect so toronto has this really weird kind of bubble over it that you know our weather is fairly warm in the summertime and the winter it's a lot milder even than buffalo um but i think that the uh, the difference is that we've got such a i don't know like a large and multicultural community uh we have an international airport uh we're like the you know the the banking center uh, once all of the insurance and financial institutions left montreal in the 60s and 70s, they all ended up migrating to Toronto. So <clears throat> when you have a financial center, then all of the, you know, uh, concomitant businesses, especially like in the service industry, the retail industry, um, government services, they all end up sort of centralizing around the, the city as well. So Toronto is basically like Canada's New York City, and it's a, it's a night and day comparison. Buffalo is more roughly comparable to a smaller city like, um, like Regina, Saskatchewan or Windsor, Ontario. Mm. I think a lot more like Windsor because... Um, you know, all of the brick and mortar businesses and the manufacturing businesses sort of dried up and blew away. Um, the same way as they mostly have in winter. Um, so, by the way, for, yeah. for people wondering, we are going to get to the main main topic. We're, we're just waiting for, for the room to fill up a little bit more. So uh, you didn't walk into a wrong room. It was, it's, not, it's not the room <laughs> and, and the title is weird. Uh, we're going to get to that. But by, the, but by all means, please continue. Well, no, I mean, the reason I was there in the first place was to follow a story that uh, I was uh, I picked up for the Globe and Mail, which was to, you know, talk about how the uh, Buffalo community has sort of has come together in the wake of the uh, the mass shooting that took place last week, Saturday. And it, it was pretty inspiring. I mean, I spoke to people. Um, there was like a whole lot of like uh, tents and pop up shops um, that sprang up immediately around the, uh, you know, Jefferson, Jefferson Avenue area where the uh, the top supermarket is um that's been closed down it's completely fenced off pending obviously mm. the, the police investigation they have no timeline on when the tops is going to open again so the problem there is that it puts a whole lot of people out of business all the the tops employees i mean they obviously can't clock into work um mm. they're not doing any other work right now so a lot of them have uh ended up becoming volunteers um so you know there's uh there's organizations that are handing out food and diapers some of them are having handing out like whatever baby formula is available um there's food being cooked there's all sorts of giveaways happening um i saw that other businesses in the area um chain chain restaurants uh 
coffee shops like Starbucks, like they all had tents and they were just giving away food and drinks and supplies and so on. So it really looks like, like the neighborhood came together at a time of need. At the same time, you know, at some point, the urgency peters off, the tents fold up, people go home. So then what happens after that? And that's the part where when I spoke to people in the neighborhood, they worry about what's what's this going to look like two weeks from now, a month from now? Are we just mm. going to resume status quo? And the neighborhood is going to be worse off because the problem that so many people came together to help solve back in the early 2000s, which was the food desert that required the tops to be there in the first place. Well, now they're economically worse off. Plus, it's now a food desert again. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I remember that area didn't have they didn't have uh tops before um and, and there was there was one part of the hood that had a tops but that tops was like so bad it, it was it, it was like a um really low end like like tops for anyone who knows tops it's a really big um fancy supermarket and then i remember like the only tops i remember being in the hood was like kind of like a joke it was like a um, the bodega version of Tops, basically, if, if I remember correctly. So, it was, I, and when I was there, there was not even a nice fancy Tops in there. Yeah, I mean, there's one yeah. on Niagara Street, but that's like sort of it's on the west side of town, right? So, yeah, the the, the one on the east side, which is on uh, Jefferson Avenue. I mean, you have to cross over um, a multi lane highway even to get there in the first place. Right. Yeah. So it's not, it's not it's not quite accessible for a lot of people that were living in the neighborhood. Um, and you know, and I was I was like the the Airbnb where I was staying was only maybe a ten fifteen minute walk away from um, from Jefferson Avenue, and there's like when I say there's nothing around the area, I mean I took a walk around the neighborhood. Um, you would find like corner stores, you'd find liquor stores. I didn't even see a McDonald's. I'm not even sure. Like I'd have to go look in Google Maps to see where the closest McDonald's is, but. Yeah, there's just there is when I say it's a food desert. I mean, there's nothing in I mean, the neighborhood. Yeah. Like, don't worry to get food. Yeah, when I um, when all of us from New York City like went and moved to Buffalo because I went there to go to college. Um, I remember one thing that really kind of struck us was like we thought we understood like what the hood was like and everything, but when we got there, it was like wow, this is like nothing I've ever seen because in New York, even like a hood still has like fast food. Um, a quick train ride that you can go to someplace else that actually has things to do as far as culture or, you know, like, but over there, like, um, a, a hood would really be a hood. Like, there'd be nothing. It would just be just um, basically a truly depressed area, you know? It, it's not, it's not mm-hmm. something like the Bronx where it's like Grand Concourse where it's like, okay, this is technically the hood, but there's like a million things going on. There's a stadium, there's this and that, or, you know, you're in Brooklyn, you can still get like um, a beef patty. You can still go to McDonald's. You can do something. Yeah. Like, um, around there's not far from Martin Luther King park. Right. If I remember correctly, I think that's, that's by there. And and, and that was a great idea. Oh, well, well, like basically I remember like I was, uh, I was driving around that, area not far from like martin luther king park uh keep in mind this is the 90s i have no idea how current this is but like we were driving i'm like oh my god this place looks so uh depressed and i would see like a i'll never forget this one thing i saw there was a house that looked like um it looked like you know like how things looked in uh boys in the hood where it's like 
it's a suburb, but it's yeah. also the hood. You know what I mean? Oh, no, no. It's just, it was just like that. Like, the area where I was staying, it, it was just, like, yeah. it, it could have been, it could have come right off the set. And Yeah, like, it looks just like that. Yeah. Yeah, and, the house and, and, I was staying and, and, in, it was, it was probably worth about a hundred, maybe less than like 100K USD. Um, I was looking it up on Zillow and mm. like I said, like the amount of times that it's been flipped. I was also looking at property values in the neighborhood as well. And these were not, yeah. these are not like small houses. These are, you know, houses with like sellers, um, you know, like fully, uh, they, they're not row houses or anything like that. Like they're full detached homes, Yeah, you know, four, four bedroom, two bath, um, ground floor, master bedroom and all that kind of stuff. Um, and you know they're, they're like two thousand twenty five hundred square foot, and yeah, they're they're going for less than a hundred thousand dollars some of them, and that's just because the neighborhood is so economically depressed. And, but one thing I remember, I'll never forget this. Uh, we were driving around. There's some apartments and houses that are abandoned, right? And there was one that had there was a house with a door off the hinges. It was just like uh, <laughs> the, the house had no door, and I was like, it's, it's like the oh, house what? of it. Uh, I never saw it, but I mean, the, the, the house had the house had no door, and I was thinking, oh wow, the, the house must be condemned. And I saw people going in and out of it, and yeah. and um, there was a family living there. Like I was like, oh, oh shit, shit, I was about to say it's called a bando, my friend. Like that's a trap house, but all right. Uh, uh, but well, well, this is like a family coming in out. It didn't even seem like people dealing. <laughs> <It was> just, <laughs> oh just, shit. Like, just, yeah, yeah. I mean, or, or maybe, or maybe there were kids in the trap house. I have no idea. But I was like, "Holy shit! This is like, uh, this is being used." And and there's like uh, people walking in and out of it, like a, like a family. Yeah. Oh, but damn. um, uh, on on topic with what um, this show is about. Uh, Q just when he found out about this, so um, he uh, didn't know about this. I just I just sent him a BuzzFeed article, and the BuzzFeed article is in the um, description. And, um, you know, I find the story pretty interesting. Uh, I'm not really, you know, super on Dave Chappelle's side. I'm not super against him, you know, because I'm, I'm a little bit kind of tired of the whole thing, you know. I'm, I kind of wish he would just leave it alone at this point. But uh, I did find the story pretty badly done in terms of the way it was uh, phrased in such a lopsided way. Like, uh, I, I don't know how you feel about it because you just read the story, but. They, they just talked to, like, five people who all had the same opinion, and Cherry picked some tweets on Twitter, and I was like, okay, this is, like, a weird... I don't even know what, what jokes were said, really, just that people were using words like ambushed, uh, afraid, uh, danger, you know, all over Twitter, people were saying, like, they felt, quote-unquote, unsafe, and... Uh, the only thing I'll say, and this is what I found kind of weird, right? And I, I just hate this current, very alarmist language people use all the time in social justice circles. I was but... just, I was just gonna say, I, I hate how people use the language of trauma to describe things that are just the natural vicissitudes of life. So, yeah, if you weren't expecting Dave Chappelle at that particular comedy show, you can say it's not what I was expecting you can say it was an unpleasant surprise or something like that. But to say that you yeah, felt yeah. ambushed or that you were tri- like, what the fuck? Especially after like going out and talking to one of the people that I spoke to this weekend. Um, and this was a, by a like, complete coincidence. I was, I was at this, um, neighborhood service that helps, um, 
incarcerated males like who have just gotten out of prison sort of transitioned back into civilian life. And um, one of the, the fellows that, um, you know, that, that had been helped by that program, I now that he's like working, he has a family and everything, he still stops by that center to help out. Like he's not an employee or anything. He just goes by there to see whatever he can help out with, you know. And um, he just happened to drop in conversation when all of us in the room were talking about it. He's like, oh, yeah, and I was there with my daughter. I was like, no, you're joking. He's like, no, no, no. My daughter and I went there to get some crab legs. And um, when we heard the shooting, I had to hustle her out the back. I was like, you were there with your kid while the mass shooting was happening and you had to rush her out the back door? I'm like, did like how has she been affected wow. by this? And he's like, yo, you know, she, uh, you know, she, she's straight, but, you know, she's, she was a little bit shaken up when we watched it on the news. And he was just talking about this so matter of fact, like, oh, yeah, you know, this is, this is just a thing that happens. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, if anybody on Twitter had had to go through some shit like that, like, they would wow. be completely incapacitated by this. You know oh, I mean? my and God, it's, yeah. And oh, I, oh, I hate oh, how, oh, like, oh, yeah. Oh, but, but, but not even crazy. There were people who were on Twitter, and I think you said this to me, they were saying that they were so traumatized by watching it on TV, and they didn't even live in Buffalo, that they needed allies to PayPal them uh, yeah. m- money. <laughs> so I'm like, people, people in Buffalo who lived, who lived through the shooting are yeah. getting on with their lives, but um, social justice people on Twitter are saying, hey, hearing about this thing has me too traumatized to go out and shop. Let's get some allies, um, you know. To, to, let's start yeah, a thread. Can we get some allies to pay, yeah. yeah, yeah let's contribute to our Venmos right? and our PayPals and shit. I'm, I'm just like... Are you any, are you fucking you're like you're you're stealing you're stealing mass shooting victim valor? What the fuck? What the fuck yeah. is this? And trying to get paid off of it, like it's 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 ridiculous. And the thing I found really kind of ironic was that uh, Dave Chappelle was literally uh, ambushed on the stage, and he was literally surprised and physically attacked by and, a dude with yeah by an like a dude a dude with a knife. Like the yeah, guy was and, 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 yeah, and people were like, "Oh, oh, that's okay. It's not a big deal." But but then doing comedy by surprise does deserve the language of actual <laughs> ambush. And like people have so lost the plot. I just find it kind of bizarre. It's just uh, like this this affected this affected victimhood that I'm really turned off by. And I don't yeah. like to talk about it. You know what? Fuck it. I'm off Twitter, so I can just say whatever I want now. I'm I'm really turned off by it because I know people are not that heavily affected by it. I think it's just this this hyperbolic formation of sentences that people come by because in order to get attention and to get people to retweet whatever it is that you're doing or to, you know, hopefully get a think piece out of it, they have to they have to like go to the farthest extreme in emotional hyperbole to get people to pay attention because everyone's just numb to mm. folks that just act normal now. Yeah, that right, everyone has this like this affected fragility. And it's it it's like it used to get on my nerves, but now it's actually I think it's actually like politically detrimental because you can't be talking about things like overhauling systems and and I completely agree that a lot of these systems have to be overhauled if not revolted against altogether. How the fuck could I trust anybody next to me to do that if they can't even I don't know watch the evening news without falling apart? You think I want to? <sighs> Be standing in a, in a protest line <laughs> with somebody 
that yeah. is gonna have like a fucking anxiety attack watching the news. What if they're interrogated by somebody? <laughs> like, 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 <laughs> right? They're gonna flip on everybody. <laughs> like, yeah. Is it that, is it that fragile? I, I don't know. So, so it's like I'm not defending Dave or attacking Dave or whatever. You're free to hate Dave as much as you want, but just get the perspective. I just so tired of this. Uh, weirdly alarmist tone everything has to have now it's so bizarre i don't know but it's just like if you don't if you don't like if you don't like the dude stand up just get up and walk out like i I don't understand why like if you don't if you don't enjoy his stand-up and you have every right not to i don't frankly i don't particularly enjoy his stand-up very much anymore myself i find that he's he's actually kind of done the same kind of victimhood bullshit that he accuses a lot of other people of doing which is very fair which is like yeah, it's just, like he's sort of made it his pressure point by making it everybody else's pressure point. So, dude, like if you don't want to be talking about this stuff anymore, and you said that that was your last comedy special, and then don't, don't fucking talk about it anymore. Right? Yeah, but, he did say he was gonna um, stop, and he just keeps bringing. It apparently, he's like still going. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't really know because I couldn't really get a sense from this article what exactly it was that he was saying. But um, if if you're if you're turned off by the kind of comedy that he engages in. And like I said, I completely understand if that's, if that's the case for you, then he shows up to a comedy special. You weren't expecting him there. Just get up and walk the fuck out. Like if I don't like a movie, I'm not going to sit through this movie and torture myself. I'll get up and walk out of the theater. I go to the box office and ask for a refund. And that's, you know, I go do something else with my night. Or if you're gonna, or if you're gonna stay, maybe you want to stay because you want to report on what he said. Then give me like a play by play of what he said that I could actually form a judgment on. But the people who did sit, sit through it, they mostly just talked about how scared and hurt they were by the fact that people were laughing at it and how, like, unsafe they felt and whatever. I'm like, okay, but what did he say? Like, you know, like, like I've sat through things that, you know, I didn't like, and I did a whole report on them, like like when I uh, went to sleep. Well, I mean, the, I the, the, the show is called Media Massacre, so we sit through a whole lot of stuff that we don't like and then <laughs> report to people yeah, on what we true. watched or read. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's like, uh, yeah, that, that part kind of drove me crazy. Like, if you are gonna sit through it, then tell me more about what happened and uh, your feelings. So one joke I heard was said, and then, and then we're gonna go to the caller. Here are two jokes that were the only two jokes I was able to glean were said out of the fifteen minutes that that he did. There might have been more. These are just the only two I could find, and I had to like look all over for them. But he asked like two guys in the audience, you know. He was doing crowd work, and then he, he went to two guys. He goes, you know, do you guys come together? Um, are you? No, no, how do you guys know each other? I don't know if he said they're brothers or whatever. But then he says, like, uh, did you guys come here together? Um, as in, like, it's just you, you and him that came together. And they're like, yeah. And he's like, gay. So that that was that was one joke, which you know wasn't particularly funny to me. But whatever. I don't know if the delivery improved it but you know some kind of juvenile but then um the second one i guess he was making a joke about the guy that attacked him so he's like uh yeah i was attacked by a guy with a knife that identified as a gun um and you know it doesn't sound a great joke to me either it's just be kind of like a kind of juvenile reach to um yeah you know you know it's kind of like up there with the i mean not as bad as the attack helicopter joke but you know it's, it's in that family of jokes like uh i'm not really crazy about either one but after like a hunt to find oh, out a blank jokes, that identifies as a blank like all right come on dude you know yeah 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 so i mean it was it seemed a little bit uh hacky to me i mean i think some of the other trans commentary at least 
has some thought to it. This one just seems to be like he's just going for a low-hanging um, fruit. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I was going to end it with it didn't sound great to me. I'm all for anybody critiquing it, but I just hate the language of constant alarmism that we have to deal with just to discuss anything now. It's not even just alarmism. It's it's like I said, it's affected fragility. It's just like yeah. this language of tra- like to describe everyday experiences. You have to filter it through trauma. I think it began with this whole conversation on microaggressions, like things that people do uh, that make you constantly aware of your identity, especially like how your identity is an outgroup, which I think was a fair place to start from. But I think microaggressions discourse took the place of actual macroaggressions discourse. So everybody who feels microaggressed against has to blow it up into, well, going through these microaggressions on a daily basis has traumatized me. And I don't know, maybe some people are traumatized by some of the, you know, like I said, like general vicissitudes of life and bullshit that you have to deal with as a marginalized minority. But have some fucking backbone. Jesus Christ. Anyway, CR, what's up? Hey, CR. Have some backbone, indeed. I um, can't agree more. Thank you, uh, Trevor and Anthony. Um, I, a, lot, a lot of what you guys are saying yeah, makes a lot of sense. Uh, um, you know, the, uh, I, I like Dave Chappelle a lot. You know, um, um, I don't don't see probably that would be really. Oh, oh, oh wait, 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 wait! I'm sorry. Hold on, Q. Uh, I think there's background noise coming from you. Uh, I think you need to mute. Oh, sorry about that. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, do continue, CR. Yeah, sorry. Uh, um, yeah, uh, yeah. No, so I, I like Dave Chappelle, you know, a lot. You know, I don't necessarily agree with all, all of his stuff, you know, whatever. But that's, you know, that's that's just comedy. That's art, you know. And and I do agree a lot with what what you know what uh, uh, Anthony was saying that like you know it's like get up, go go ahead, you know, you don't want to watch the show, get up, leave, you know what I mean? You know, you don't like it, change the channel. Like I I really honestly think that. Um, uh, attaching ourselves to these kind of public identities and pretending like that's really, you know, what's what's really at stake at in culture at, at large it, it is really more uh, uh, serving the the uh, capitalism, the oligarchy, empire, and stuff like that. That 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 serves to kind of d- divide us and continue to be able to to control and exploit all of us. And, and to be able to keep all of us down, you know, and to keep us in these kind of uh, 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 traps that we've been in for a very long time. So I, I, I tend to look at it through kind of a larger lens in that sense. Does that make any sense? You know, I, I, I'm trying to... to oh, to makes, to, makes, total, makes total sense, yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm trying to say to myself, I'm like, well, yeah, if you don't want to see Dave Chappelle, don't go to shows, turn it off. You know, and you can also tell your family and friends, don't watch him. You know, that's everybody's allowed to, to, to kind of say that kind of stuff. And if something really does bother you, you know, uh, uh, um, and you really do think it's hurtful, I think that's fine to be able to speak out and, and protest or show up somebody's show and say, like, hey, don't don't go to this guy's show. I think it's horrible. You know what I mean? He's saying horrible things. But at, at the same time, I don't see any help at the end of the day of trying to stifle anybody's speech. You know, uh, 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 um, was, uh, uh, you know, like Daryl Davis, if I'm remembering his name correctly, you know, spends a lot of time talking with. KKK members and eventually converting them, not because he tells them to shut the fuck up or, or, or saying that they should be banned from saying whatever they say. I know there's a slight detour, but I think it's on the same kind of level where we're, we're, we're letting ourselves get distracted 
and these kind of little mundane things that we know that we could work out if, 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 if a person to person sits there and you see me and I see me and you actually see me most of the time, not every time, of course, isn't, we don't live in a fucking utopia, but you, we can figure that shit out. You know, the, but the important things are is that they, they, they want us focus on this, this, this cultural shit. So they love hyping this kind of stuff right now. Well, really, we should be focused on class. One thing I'll say is that I do think that there is a call to censor people. Sometimes if their speech really is going to lead to, um, you know, physical harm of people. But then I think what happens is, is that um, a lot of people, what they decide to do then is uh, try to elevate everything into a physical threat, you know, so that. Yeah. People who think that way, you know, will will agree with them. So something that keeps happening, I noticed, like, they keep trying to say that. Um, so, for example, people are saying, "Hey, all these black, um, all these black trans people who are dying, it's because of things like Dave Chappelle's special." And that's a big thing to put on somebody. Like, yeah. you got to give me some kind of ev- evidence, you know, or something. Like, you, you can't just declare and then. Um, there was this guy, I think his name was Preston Mitchum. Uh, he was on Twitter and he was saying uh, when that uh, trans woman, Daphne, that Dave Chappelle knows died, he took it upon himself to declare that it was because of Dave Chappelle's uh, jokes that drove her to kill herself. And I thought that was a very kind of scumbag thing to do. Like, without any proof, you can't just uh, decide that this woman that as far as we know, his friends with Dave Chappelle killed himself because of Dave Chappelle's uh, jokes. And then when people got on him, they're like, do you have any proof? Like, wh- where are you coming up with this? Like, this is a crazy thing to say. They started acting attacked. Like, see, like, like this is why I feel endangered, you know? Because, uh, look, a uh, black gay man is trying to speak his mind, and you guys are attacking me. And then I was like, you're going to make things, like, worse for yourself because people can get sick of this if you keep this language of hysteria all the time, you know, but, um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, do, do, you, have any, do you have any thoughts on Q? I mean, I mean, I mean oh, other thing I'll say is I don't really agree on the, uh, it's all about class thing, but, you know, that's a whole different... I don't, th- I don't know that I agree with that. I think that, no, I think that, uh, class does play a part. Like, I think that a lot of the celebrity discourse that ends up infecting our daily conversations, um, is completely lacking a class component. I'm thinking, for example, of like the uh, the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, like the the civil suit that he launched against her, and then her counter. Yeah, it has that. nothing to do with any of us. Average and, yeah, it's like the the average the average person just has nothing to do with this shit whatsoever. And I've seen a lot of people be like, "Oh, well, you know, uh, 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 the 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 Amber Heard, um, the the abuse that Amber Heard put Johnny Depp through is just uh just an indicator of what it is that men go through." I'm like, no, it's not. I mean. Yeah, there are a lot of men that are abused. I mean, <laughs> I, I used to be one of them. But uh, the, the, the bullshit that goes on between a bunch of coke-addled multimillionaires has got jack shit to do with me. And the same thing in the opposite direction. The stuff that uh, Johnny Depp was supposedly putting Amber Heard through, I don't think has much to do with the average uh, couple either. I think that there are um, very good points to be made about the prevalence of domestic abuse and especially how it has like like risen exponentially in the COVID era, especially during the lockdowns. 
but have the conversation on those terms. You don't have to filter everything through the lens of, uh, you know, the, the politics of millionaires that will never know what it's like to live a day without having access to money or food, baby formula or any kind of shit like that. And I think where it comes to these, like, I don't know, like how comedians and celebrities and entertainers form their politics to try and say that the average person's views on trans people are formed by celebrities, I think doesn't give people enough credit for being able to come by bigotry on their own. It doesn't come through just celebrities. It happens because people are ignorant pieces of shit. (laughs) Celebrities are not responsible for people being ignorant pieces of shit. Uh, yeah, uh, so I moved on the queue just to keep it moving, but I appreciate CR's comment. And this is a general statement. Uh, after you speak, you know, we tend to move people out of the queue to move on to the next person, but it's uh, nothing personal. And everybody who's moved out of the queue is always welcome to hop right back into the queue if they want to say more. So, yeah, CR, and this goes for anyone else too. If you uh, yeah, speak if you and you get like, moved... follow up or another thought that, you know, if you have something else that you want to say, like feel free to hop back into the caller queue. It's not a one-and-done scenario. Yeah, exactly. And um, M, you can feel free to unmute and share your thoughts. Cool. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Um, I have two quick contributions I wanted to make. One is you guys are talking about sort of the hysterical language. Um, and this just came up very recently regarding the Buffalo shooting, actually, where you know, I'm the type of guy who I get really annoyed when, you know, the New York Times has a headline that says, like, Trump does racially charged things, like, just say racist. That said, um, AP Stylebook just tweeted the other day, we don't use the term manifesto in reference to a racist diatribe. It glorifies racist hatred. Other terms such as diatribe, screed, or things can work instead. And it's like, oh, God. Oh, my God. I don't want... My news reporters hysterical. Even if they use the word diatribe, like obviously it's fine. It fits. But making a whole point out of it is like But that's what these like that's what a manifesto is. You know, regardless of whether you you agree with what a manifesto says, you can't just define a manifesto out of existence because you don't like what happens to be in it. Like this idea that people have to be treated like they're infants is I, I think more destructive to me at least. Like this idea that people are so powerless to be able to affect any change in their political systems and their social dynamics, that it all has to be filtered through the priesthood of media and tech overlords and celebrities. I'm just like, do you actually sit around at your dinner table with your family and say these things to each other? Like if somebody says, oh, and the shooter's manifesto, and you're like, "Uh, uh, 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 no, no, it's not a manifesto. Hey, it's a diatribe. Like, nobody fucking does that shit. So if you don't, if you're not going to do that with your own family members, don't do that to me. Like, don't don't treat me like a child. And, and also, I don't fully understand. Is the idea that calling a manifesto is that that it's complimentary or something? So you don't want to call it a manifesto because you're giving it too much credit. Like a manifesto is only saved for uh, lofty, important things. Because that seems kind of weird Maybe to me as well. Sexy. I feel like. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't even send those manifestos. Have always been. I mean, as far as uh, you know, as far as my education goes, manifestos have always been like they've always occupied sort of a uh, a conspiratorial corner 
of fringe politics. So if somebody writes or leaves a manifesto, it, it always seems to be attributed to um, <clears throat> fringe groups that whose ideas yeah. don't exist in the mainstream. Normally when um, uh, there's a, a group or uh, I, I guess like a, a political body um, that writes something that you could describe as a manifesto, sometimes it's called a, a theory or... Uh, you know, or a theorem. It it's called a, uh, you know, it, it, it like it's referred to as a political work. But manifesto has always implied fringe to me. Yeah, yeah. Like I never thought of manifesto as something that was so unequivocally thought of as something good that you you're afraid to uh, have quote unquote bad people claim manifesto. Like manifesto, people use it for things like Unabomber and other stuff. So it, it just seems like weird that. I thought he, I thought Emma was going to say something uh, even more bizarre. I thought Emma was going to say something like, "We don't want to call it manifesto; uh, it should be called a person festo or something." That's something, something even dumber. Uh, but um, <laughs> a person festo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was going to be, but but somehow what he said is even weirder to me. <laughs> like like uh, that's just dumb. What I thought he was going to say, but this is just. Uh, I don't follow the logic. The logic of, of this uh, one. Uh, at, at you all. know, what? I'm, I'm calling it. Right, I'm calling this the Steven universification of media. Like everything has to be like, everything has to make people feel like the end of an episode of Steven Universe does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, I, I, I don't, I don't appreciate being treated like a child. And if like, it was, it was, it was weird because like, um, I mean, one of the reasons that I got kicked off of Twitter, I talked about this on Unredacted last week, but. Yeah, I'm perma banned from Twitter, and I don't have any plans. I don't have any immediate plans on trying to lobby to get my account back. I mean, sure. That's a gift in disguise, bro. Yeah, I know, I know. Like, it, you know, it, it it probably would uh, help me as far as like promoting some of the content related work that I'm doing if I have my Twitter account. But it's also like, eh, it, the place is a fucking cesspool. And and one of the things that really bothers me about it is that, like, you can't just make the points that normal people would make without upsetting an entire corner of the internet that believes that life is to be lived like an episode of family ties. Uh, like to give an example of this, um, the other day there was some discourse about whether people should, uh, whether like you should be high at protests, right? Like it's not a good idea to be at a protest and be high. Now that, that that's just common fucking sense to me. You don't go to, especially if you go into like some sort of a protest action where you would expect to be arrested by police. You don't go there with drugs in your system. Why? Because if you're arrested, they will find ways to charge you with additional crimes for having done the exact same thing, except you did it while high. You generally want to be as sober as humanly possible. You don't want to be charged with drunken intoxication or possession or intent to distribute or anything like that. You just like if if that's not your thing, if you cannot be sober because maybe let's say you experience anxiety or whatever the reason that you can't be at a protest action sober, then you don't have to be at the protest action. There's a million other ways that you can help. You can help like make flyers. You can, you know, just and distribute flyers. You can help with communications. You can help with like behind the scenes organizing. You don't have to be out protesting. This turn, this blew up into like a four day long discourse. And I was, um, there, there was one tweet that I sent out from the, uh, RCNWA media account, and it was just a an excerpt from Asada Shakur's autobiography, where she talked about having been caught out 
uh, intoxicated in public, but it was by um, some uh, Asian cats that uh, they called themselves the Red Guard. And, you know, they, they warned the Black Panthers members, like, hey, um, you know, we saw the pigs harassing a bunch of uh, hippies, and uh, they picked them up on, uh, on additional charges. You're really lucky that they didn't come over here and hassle you first, especially with all the material that you're carrying. And it was just to say, like, it's just not a good idea to be out and high. Um, just do that stuff, like, where, you know, uh, if you were, like, putting together flyers, just like the Black Panthers did, you know, they would, like, hang out and, um, you know, organize their, uh, their breakfast programs or, or make flyers and that kind of thing. Uh, and they would drink, panth- they would drink a little uh, drink called Panthipus while they did it. But it it blew up to this whole like oh now you're 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 saying that uh, people with disabilities like anxiety and ADHD shouldn't be taking their medications and it's like oh <laughs> yeah like what the uh, fuck who said that hold on, hold on that reminds me of that viral tweet that goes um, Twitter's the kind of place where you can say I like I like pancakes and someone will reply you hate waffles. <laughs> So you say you hate waffles? And it, and it's like, no, no, bitch, that's a whole new sentence. Hey, Matthew, how's it going? Yo, what's up, guys? Uh, nothing much. Everything's going uh, pretty good. Uh, before you speak, I'm just going to add the second topic uh, in case you want to add anything about that. But the other topic in the title is um, George Carlin documentary. And I was talking with someone about this. And lately... I'm kind of tired of how they're retroactively turning George Carlin into Hannah Gadsby. Like, oh. you, would think the, you would think the man never told the joke. All they do now is share lectures by him. And and I've seen, like, millennials now start to say, hey, was George Carlin ever funny? Like, he says all he does is lecture because they haven't seen him firsthand. And just going by, like, what liberals have kind of made him into. And, and that's the other thing that anybody's welcome to talk about, too. It's like, I'm just really kind of tired of People always saying, if George Carlin was alive, he'd hate this person, or he'd hate that person, or here's what George Carlin said about abortion, and it's like, but it's not even a joke, it's an interview. Like, he was actually a good comedian, like, please, just yeah. talk about his jokes sometimes, and, and, and that's all I have to say. Yeah, yo, T, well, uh, first time, long time, ever since I heard your um, clinical breakdown of Hamilton, I've been a big fan of Champagne Sharks. Thanks so much. And, uh, Q, <laughs> Q, I just listened to your... Um, uh, that Glenn Greenwald episode you did, or the redacted episode you did today, and I thought it was really good. You guys were like getting to some synthesis of something. <laughs> um, but uh, I, yeah. I have said, I have said, I'm going to, I'm going to red pill, i.e., like red army pill that man at some point. Yeah, because uh, he, he hangs out with a lot of people that just talk utter bullshit, and he, I don't think he hangs out around enough, around enough fucking communists that'll just tell him to his face like, hey, bro. Yeah, I was like, dude, do you have, like, the fascist bibliography just in front of you? You started going in all the- I was like, damn, it- he has his, his uh, work cited. But, um, yeah, the thing that, uh, like, at uh, T, I remember when you, it, like, just drove me, like, the original Chappelle, like, freak out over his um, stand-up just drove me absolutely nuts. Because not so much that, you know, like, people were... Um, or, you know, like that everybody was hating on it, but like that nobody had actually watched the Chappelle special. I was like, you know, by all means, you can say this dude isn't funny anymore or whatever. I've always been a huge Chappelle fan, but, uh, and then I, I listened to this like bad faith episode T went on and, you know, like T's all prepared and like watched the thing and made all these good points. And 
um, Brianna had on this, uh, you know, like, um, trans activist or, you know, like a uh, professor. And, and, and she was like, yeah, I didn't watch the special. And I was just like, oh my God, like how, like, can we ever talk about anything if nobody even like is talking about the same object? And it, like, but, but, but something, something weird about that. And uh, I'm not going to focus on him. I'm going to focus on in general. Right. I've noticed that in a lot of, um, what I call new woke, new woke circles. Yeah. There's this kind of point of pride that people have yeah. in the circles of saying that they didn't watch or try something or whatever. And within their circles, that gets applause. I've seen that on Dunks. Twitter where it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I think he kind of forgot that in the regular world, people don't think that way. Mm. So I, I think he kind of thought that that was going to get, uh, props and then the whole comment section just ended up being people complaining about uh that like like i felt like yeah. i felt kind of annoyed because i felt like i prepared all these good points and i was ready to defend all these points and then yeah yeah you're like, both donating your time like at least you know have a conversation like and the but anyway there i brought that up because um i think just like yesterday or a day or two ago um this like you know somewhat I think he's has a call in show too with like somewhat popular uh lefty um host I don't know if I should name him but like he had this tweet that was like uh Oh who like Aaron Mate who was it No it's um Owen Higgins and I like oh. Yeah Owen, he, Owen's, Owen's a buddy of mine Okay so like and I I've listened to his show I like like you know like he you know, like went hard at, at like Greenwald, and I was like, okay, you're making some fair points. I don't totally agree, but like, anyway, yesterday or two days ago or something, he tweeted. Apparently, um, Netflix was holding off releasing this Ricky Gervais special because it's so transphobic. But now they're doing it for the right, and I'm like, uh, I, I mean, that may be true. Maybe he has like inside sources at like Netflix, but like. Again, it just went to this thing where it, it immediately became this huge, you know, like 8,000 comments of people talking about, like, and the thing is, like, you know, I've always been a huge Chappelle fan, so I was going to watch the Chappelle special, but, like, this Ricky Gervais thing, I'm like, I don't care about this guy, you know, like, this is like a piece of content where it's, it is so <laughs> simple, like, you just don't have to watch it, like, you know, like, he's I used to be a, an atheist, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, Gervais taught me to, like, not be that annoying atheist guy, because, like, I saw the cover photo for his, like, you know, weird atheism thing, oh, and I'm just yeah. like, oh my god, I don't want to be that <laughs> oh god yeah ricky gervais has like uh actually i feel like dave Chappelle is going down the ricky gervais rabbit hole we're like ricky gervais where he's like, <laughs> like oh i found my pressure point i'm just gonna start i'm gonna keep on like pounding away at this because it makes the you know the people yeah. so, ang- so angry and then when it became out of fashion to just keep on bashing on the that, it's not even really bashing the Christians. It's really like making a bunch of like atheist jokes that normal people who aren't other fanatics just don't care about. And then the other fanatics who were like the Web- Westboro Baptist Church types, like they completely fell out of the mainstream anyway. And then um, you know it started to become more about uh, cultural mores than it was about uh, Christian faith. So then he started going on in on this like cancel culture shit. And this is like so you're basically you're doing that like that. Um, that onion headline from way back in the early 2000s, you know, Marilyn Manson now going door to door shocking people. 
<laughs> that's that's now Ricky Gervais's entire bit. It's like it's like going knocking door to door, shocking people. Yeah, and I mean, like the thing is, like, and of course, you know, everybody's like retweeting, like, yes, you know, fuck Ricky Gervais, and you know, I'm like, I don't care if you you're anti Gervais, but like. The thing that, like, you know, and I mean, like, I used to work at a big box retailer and, you know, I have trans friends there. But, like, the I, I, like, worry, you know, like, that the, like, militancy that, you know, like, everything is attacked and diagnosed now is, like, you're not, you know, like, growing your base of, you know, like people that would be open to allying with you. Like when I knocked on doors for Bernie, I wouldn't like be like, listen up, fuck stick. You want universal health care? You know, it's like, I mean, you know, like Rust Belt, Michigan and Ohio. I'm like, Hey, you know, like uh, I work a shitty job. What's your job? You know, I didn't start from square one is like, we need to end this person, you know? And like, again, who cares if it's Gervais, but like, I think the, like, rush to, like, power this, you know, internet hate machine, both by, you know, lefties and people on the right, is so, you know, like, you know, such a loop on itself that we're never actually going to get to any discourse because it's just about, you know, dunking and not analyzing. Ricky Gervais has the most punchable face. It's so bad. (laughs) I know. But but something about him, too, right, is I used to like him. But that was when I wanted like to know in the office. acting. Yeah, yeah the UK in the office. office. He was, that was him at his peak, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and he had a talk show with with um, these other two guys that used to be kind of funny where they were just kind of cracked on each other. Oh, and yeah, I, Carl I, Pilkington. Carl yeah, Pilkington was, is so, hilarious. It was so good. <laughs> uh, and they were, they were just kind of ragging Carl Pilkington. That was so good. Yeah. But, uh, I feel like it really started to turn for him when... He's, he's, he's the intersection of so many annoying types of people. And one of them is the guy who lost weight and is feeling himself. Because I feel like <laughs> ever since he lost that weight and, and, he got, and he got a little, like, prepared to be sexier, he just, that was the first step. Because even that atheist pick, you know, you could tell he was kind of feeling his weight loss. He was starting to take shirtless yeah. pics. Yeah, like, and, and he wrote it on his bare chest, like, calm yeah. down. <laughs> yeah, and, and it reminds me of that guy who... Uh, just starts losing some weight in the gym, and they get carried away, you know, and they're wearing tank tops everywhere, and it's like, okay, calm down. Like, you know, I'm, I'm happy for you, but... Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, walking around, he's walking around with the imaginary lats, you know, like with his arms held out to the sides, like he's shaped like a box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, calm down, bro. And, 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 and now I heard that he went vegan, so so now he's going to be really... All, oh, all he is now is to just join CrossFit, and that's going to be the perfect <laughs> intersection of preaching. Like, like, to be a new atheist, do CrossFit. And, vegan uh, and transphobic. <laughs> yeah. No, That's a sick combo. If he has, if he has crypto yeah. to the whole mix, just execute him on site. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah, transphobia is another thing we feel kind of proselytized. Like, like, once people get transphobic, you know, they won't stop talking about it. Yeah, so, so he has, like, five different things to proselytize about right now. Uh, transphobia, veganism, new atheism, and all this stuff. So that special is going to be horrible. Yeah. I can't imagine how preachy it's going to be. But the funny thing is, when I saw Owen's tweet, I was like, 
I like a little part of me is like, damn, I kind of want to watch it now just to see. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, I probably wouldn't make it through all through all the way through, but I'm like, I'm already annoyed with this guy. Like, he's gonna make Chappelle like seem like you know just kind of a random dude or something. Well, here's the thing though. Like, okay, this kind of this kind of goes back to my view of the uh, you know the Buffalo Shooter Manifesto, right? Which is that you kind of have an obligation. Like when people uh, do things that are so abhorrent to polite society that yeah. they have to be made an example out of or cast out. I think if you are going to make the case that these people should be cast out of polite society, which I do make that very case for people that hold fascist views, I say, well, you should read what it is that they've written and you should listen to what it is that they've said so you can form a proper analysis in order to make the case that they should be cast out of polite society. If you're going to hide yourself from it, but then still make the case like, oh, this person is dangerous and we should, you know, we should, we should cast them out. Well, how can you do that unless you know what the fuck you're talking about? And this, this idea that watching a Ricky Gervais comedy special or watching a Dave Chappelle comedy special is going, I mean, yeah, sure. It puts money in their pocket by getting them views, but they were going to get views anyway. So you may as well know what the fuck you're talking about. And I think a lot of it boils down to this idea that our politics, um, our politics are generally formulated by what it is that we consume or publicly disavow ourselves from consuming because we have such little political power otherwise that everything boils down to what it is that yeah. we consume or don't. It's consumerism. And if that's where you're going to limit yourself to, then you've already lost. I also think deep down they're kind of lying about that. What I mean by that is I think they pretend it's about, oh, I don't want to put money in his pocket or whatever, but like, what's really one view going to do? And also yeah. you can pirate. He already pirate got his it. check. <laughs> yeah, and, and you can also pirate it if you want, you know? Everybody yeah. knows how to pirate. I think what's really happening, and this is an, another problem I have with a lot of uh, social justice talk, is that there's this kind of thing where people low-key have baby motivation. By baby motivation, I mean, uh, I'm grown and you can't tell me what to do. I'm a big boy. You know, you can't make me do that. Nah, nah, nah. Like, like, so, so I feel like th th they kind <laughs> of performatively refuse to watch as a kind of infantile rebellion. It, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a like, stance. I'm, yeah, I'm a big boy, and you can't make me watch Chappelle. Uh-uh, nah, I'm not going to watch it. And, and I think that's really where it's coming from, and they cloud it with this kind of lofty veneer of, I don't want to um, platform it or justify it, but you're talking about it, and, and you're actually going to have a debate about it, and you're actually going to do this thing so you're already kind of legitimizing it anyway you know well and going back to um what she was just saying about the you know this crazy buffalo dude in his manifesto and like we have to hide the manifesto but like what remember uh what's his name uh unabomber you know <laughs> like like he's the dude that wrote the technology the anti-technology manifesto right and it was like actually good but like there's yeah, an article the other day at all and yeah, and like I remember reading it, and I like work in technology. I like technology, but I was like, yeah, he's hitting the nail on the head here. Um, but like that, there's like some that new right article or something. I, I don't know. I was reading some article, and they're like, and they all love the um, the Unabomber's manifesto. And I was like, well, like he he's got some good shit in there. Like we shouldn't be afraid, you know. Like if we're so afraid of these things, we should be reading them too, so we can <laughs> discuss them with people. Like. Well, that's something that's something that I've talked about a lot in that I feel like the right, even though like they're homophobic, transphobic, racist, sexist or whatever. Um, the one thing that 
I notice that they will do is, they're, for, for whatever reason, they are more willing to be skeptical about corporatism and capitalism and technology in a way that a lot of progressives won't. And what I mean by that is, right uh. now, you see a bunch of people all on YouTube and whatever bashing uh, these woke corporations and how uh, and woke yeah. capitalism and all this stuff, you know, and, and, and kind of uh, talking about how these corporations is pandering to um, the tolerant, yeah, the the anti uh, left wing, you know, like only likes uh, fat girls on Sports Illustrated. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're complaining about like uh, all this, all this pandering going on and everything. But when you look at what progressives are talking about, they're saying stuff like, "Hey, Netflix, we feel betrayed." Um, we and it's like, mm. wait a minute, they're a corporation. Why were you? Why would you expect any better from them? Yeah, this is, and again, it's just that baby shit. Like, yeah, you, you, like you are. It's like you're talking to your parents. Like you're disappointed in your parents. For not living up to their 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 job, or like not living up to their image, like why would you be disappointed? Yeah. in anything a corporation does yeah, when yeah, their yeah. obligation is not to use the consumer, it's to the the bottom line yeah. of their shareholders. Yeah, there's some yeah, dude that can think think corporation with their friends. It's so weird. There is a uh, there's some dude that I, like I do like this uh, Colin um, app, and there's some dude that like I think both your shows or you know all the like you know adjacent shows to you guys that um when we first invaded uh ukraine or when russia first invaded ukraine and everybody's flipping out and this guy kept calling in he's like <laughs> this, I want- this motherfucker said this motherfucker said we am i talking to a russian bot right now sorry i'm, I'm not george bush um <laughs> uh, but uh the like this dude kept calling in he's like i want somebody to ask tim cook what would happen if you know like Russia or, you know, like China tried to take back Hong Kong. And I was like, dude, what? That makes no sense. You know, like, like Tim Cook is going to find a new, you know, manufacturing opportunities. Like he doesn't like none, none of these people care about this, you know, signaling. They're just doing oh, the God. bare were minimum. They, were they trying get, to ask it, if he was going to pull business out of China? If China yeah, yeah. Like it, it, it would always be because you guys <laughs> were talking about actual like Ukraine shit. And he'd be like, somebody needs to ask Tim Cook what he, what would happen if, you know, China took Hong Kong. I wonder, and I just like, uh, I wonder if that person, I wonder if that person's <laughs> aware that the United States is in a minority of countries that does not recognize that Taiwan being a part of China. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and actually people do tweets and the tweets would be stuff like, um, yeah, you know, I'm just feeling hurt and I'm shaking. I hate that when people say I'm shaking. I'm, hurt I'm shaking. I'm, I'm shaking physically to, ill. To, yeah, I'm physically ill to to hear that uh, Netflix platform like another um, whatever. So why are you shaking about Netflix? Like, why did you? I, I understand if your father did something. I understand if um, the DSA, you're part of DSA, DSA platform or something. Like, what do you think corporations are? <laughs> like, like since when? Like. I remember when I was growing up, like, um, you know, in, in the Gen X days, everyone used to be like, oh, you can't trust a corporation. Fuck a you suit, couldn't you trust know, anybody and over 30. Like, you were not supposed to trust. Like, oh, yeah. Could, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You could trust anybody over 30. Now it's like, uh, wait a minute, Marvel. I thought you were on my side. <laughs> Marvel, how can you do this? Disney, how can you support Don't Stay Gay? Come on, Disney. Yeah, yeah. I that trusted was... you. You betrayed me. Like, like, that's so fucking weird now. I don't get it. Yeah, it's it's to me it's it's the complete uh, not even just the lack of power, but like the 
the affectation that you have no power and the only people that can give you power or validate uh, whatever small claims to power you have are going to come from corporations. Uh, so I moved on to, to Dave. Uh, and again, same goes for Matthews for everyone. You're always welcome to come back. But I want to make a quick announcement. I always forget to make this. Um, to get credit for the audience, we have to, you have to be logged in. So if you're on the desktop and you're watching anonymously, if you could take a couple of seconds to just uh, either create an account and keep listening or just log into an existing account, it helps the, it helps the show. So we have about 35 people who are um, listening, but they're not actually... Y'all out uh, here fucking freeloading, in. okay? You're, you're, you're getting the good <laughs> stuff out of their show, okay? You're, 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 getting, you're getting the best analysis you will ever find, all right? You're getting people validating your points of view, okay, on corporate media, and you can't even fucking create an account and log in. Create an account and log in right now. That'll give us some credit, and hopefully the show will stick around. Yeah, and with that being said, uh, Dave, uh, feel free to chime in. Yeah, log in, freeloaders. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, uh, sorry, I have to do the typical uh, first time, long time. Uh, that Hamilton episode, I sent it to all of my uh, fucking theater nerd friends and didn't get a single response back to like, well, no, here's why I think he's wrong. Like, they all just shut up about it. It was fantastic. Uh, thank you very much for that. And I haven't had to hear the uh, the soundtrack since. <laughs> oh, I feel good. See, that's, a, that's a public service, bro. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You, des- you deserve an award for that. Because if I had to hear that, uh, like, orphan, son of a bastard, whatever song one more time, I was going to fucking off myself. Um, anyways, <laughs> I'm glad you guys brought up that whole infantilization thing. Because and it's maybe because I was born in the early '80s, but like it drives me nuts the idea of people being like, "Well, I can't, I can't watch this media because it might upset me too much." Because I've like spent my entire life trying to actively engage with stuff that I'm not supposed to like, right? So like, you know, I've never been a conservative person, but I used to listen to the Mark Levine show like every day. You know, kind of, kind of just like make bro. Like I used to I used to listen them. to Rush. I used to listen to Rush Limbaugh, and uh, what the fuck was that guy's name? Um, uh, there was Rush Limbaugh, and there was another dude. What was it? Dennis Something Miller? Weird. No, not Dennis. <laughs> not Dennis Miller. No, even even older than that. Uh, G. Gordon Liddy had his own show for a bit. I listened to that as well. But like, I would listen to these people just to know what it was that they were saying. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's. Like why? Like I like I do understand the whole idea of like, you know, the echo chamber, and I think that's worse now probably than it's ever been. But it's like, why wouldn't you want to know what your quote unquote opponents like have to say? And like, like why does anybody think that they can criticize a piece of media that they have Michael Sa- Michael Savage? Is his oh name. yeah, Michael, Michael Savage. Savage. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's actually a very entertaining. Um... As far as delivery and personality, his views are Oh, he was funny as shit. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, Yeah, his views are horrendous, and they've gotten worse. But he's actually entertaining, sadly. Yeah, the conservative guys are so much better at actually doing the radio. Like, they're good at the job. They're not, you know, their views are shit, but, like, they're good at actually performing the job of being a radio host. Yeah, it's sadly true. But uh, I think that originally when I hit the call button... I was thinking about the whole comedian thing and like, you know, if I go back 10 years, I I think stand up was probably the thing that I liked more than anything else in terms of like 
an art form that I would ingest. But the the amount that it's gone off the like the two things that annoy me the most are probably like the people getting pissy about guys like Dave Chappelle without listening to whatever they say. But also like I can't take the like it it feels like every special that's come out in like the last five years has like a photo of a guy being like, Oh, am I triggering you? Like the Yes, I hate both sides to the backlash. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Like the guy Oh, the, oh Precious is, Snowflake, is name, are you triggered? Is his name Nick DiPaolo? Uh, is, is that the guy? Oh, that, that's fuck. one of them. He used to be funny. And he was he was always conservative, but even though yeah. conservative, he could still be funny. But now it's just all about, oh, uh do I have to respect your pronouns? Like I just shut up, okay. You know, we get it. Yeah. The the like the anti woke thing is just as annoying as the person that's like, well, you know, I, that was that was a microaggression, and I have to go hide in my bedroom now. Yeah, oh uh, oh yeah, the whole, and there's a whole young scene in New York of that now. Like, uh, it's even more annoying to see young people do it. At least Nick DiPaolo, he's a get off the lawn old guy, you know. But there's all these like young people now that that's their brand of comedy. It's like, okay, you're young. You should actually be living life and having funny. I want to hear about you dating. I want to hear about you, you know, having funny young humor. Like, like why are you in your twenties and all you're doing is just whining about woke. Remember, remember even back then, like even back in the Andrew Dice Clay days, you know, like, like getting mad about having to go pick up uh, tampons for your girlfriend kind of dating stories. That used to be hacky back in the, back in the nineties. Uh, and now it's like I kind of wistfully pine for those days because at least it took some kind of imagination to make an original joke about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's horrible. It's horrible now. We're like people just think just being offensive now is actually the whole point of um, being com- of comedy. So uh, yeah, like like I remember. Yeah, I think uh, good. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, 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 oh I, I was gonna say, <laughs> I was complaining about um, how I was on, uh, on Twitter. I, I complained about. I'm tired of everybody saying that the point of comedy is to punch up, not punch down, you know, and... Since when? And and, and I I was like, yo, that is... The point of comedy is to be funny. That's what... Like, it's supposed to be funny. And then someone responded, but they thought they were agreeing with me, and he goes, yeah, that's true, man. The point of comedy is to transgress. And if you're not transgressing, we're like, no, that's the same thing for the opposite direction. Like, like, uh, the point of comedy is not to punch down either like 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 it's just be funny so he thought he was like agreeing with me but he just was taking that opposite tack that um that dave is talking about where he was like yeah the actual point of comedy is just offend people all the time and it's like no just laugh i I just want to fucking laugh i don't want to have some kind of statement being made all the time like like they become like the troops of the culture war uh, stand-up comics and it's really kind of annoying (laughs) Yeah, that that drives me insane. The idea that it's like, and I I think it, it that goes back to John Stewart, where it's like, oh, the comedians are going to save us from uh, from all the evils in the world. It's like, no, like their job is to they're fucking clowns, right? Like the job is to make us laugh. And if somebody does do something that is socially positive as part of that, then that's a bonus. But it's like. <laughs> fucking make me laugh monkey like make me laugh clown have have either of you seen um uh the northman sorry have either of you seen the northman the robert eggert film with alexander okay remember okay uh so um dave you you remember uh willem defoe's character right like uh the court jester 
okay. So, like, imagine the dude who, like, you know, uh, when his king comes home, he gets up and makes a ribald joke and holds up a fucking uh, a blood sausage and smacks it and talks about the king's iron. I- imagine that dude being the one that you look to to save your society. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how, that's how people fucking look. <laughs> look at yeah. the worst comedians are going to save us. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, I don't, and, and, uh, and, and, and they made George Carlin into that too. Like, like I'm glad George, George Carlin is getting his due and um, respected. But all people want to share of him are like these these lectures. And then they made this George Carlin documentary, which I haven't watched yet. I've heard some good things about it. I heard it some good clips. And one good clip I had in it is that he says that you know I hate when people call me a radical because I'm just a guy telling jokes. And if I'm a radical, then you know we're we're, we're fucked. You know, like. Uh, keep things in perspective, which is, you know, I thought it was a good thing to say, but unfortunately, a lot of people who are celebrating this special are doing the opposite. But one thing that really kind of jumps out at me about um, the lionization that people are doing of him is that um, they're just sharing all his um, interviews and all his uh, stances on stuff, and and he was one of the people that said, he said something along the lines of, um, about, about Andrew Dice Clay, like, uh, I don't begrudge him what he wants to do, but to me, um, comedy is more interesting when you're uh, punching up, uh, you know, rather than punching down. That's the kind of stuff that I think, you know, goes further. But he didn't actually say that that's the literal point of comedy. or that No, he, he said it's more the, interesting. That's yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like you feel like it's kind of easy, or or it's a it's it's kind of cheap to um, punch down. But he didn't have to say like it was the literal point of it, or that you know yeah. you couldn't literally be funny and and punch down. And they've kind of made it into this ironclad rule. But uh, have you guys seen the people that they actually put in this special to talk about um, George Carlin? Like they have W. Kamau Bell. I'm oh like, God! Guy, I'm like, was that guy friends with? You know, uh, they put uh, Sam J, who, like, uh, no offense to Sam J, but she's kind of young. Like, like they could have found, like, 10 uh, hardcore old-school comics and talked to them. But they just put in a who lot of... Who actually knew George Carlin? I want to hear or from, like, inspired by him. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, or maybe who had great stories about, you know, working with George Carlin in comedy clubs or... Maybe that's something from a comedic standpoint, but they just kind of found people. I want to hear from an earthquake. They... Oh yeah, I love to hear, hear earthquake talk about him. Instead, they just kind of got people who uh, are kind of known for doing commentary in, the, in their comedy to talk about them. And I'm like, okay, so these people are probably going to talk about how he was a good commentator on politics because that's what their com- comedy is. And I kind of am not interested in that uh, stance on things. No, I think there's also the compounding factor of, like, you have smooth brain Twitter that can only see things in, like, binaries. So it's like, as soon as they hear Carlin say, like, well, you know, it's better to punch up and do stuff that's that's more interesting. It's like, well, nope, that's that's Yeah, all you reduce that's everything you down to the point of view that, that already agrees with you. And like, uh, I can't t- laugh at a dick joke anymore unless you're calling it a girl dick. That's yeah. Let- <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, the uh, did you see T the uh, the documentary on uh, Patrice O'Neill? That was um, very good. No, what was it called? Um, damn, easy. I think something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and it was actually it was really good because like you got a sense of like you know how he came up in the industry and like a lot of the people that he he knew and telling stories about him and what kind of person he was. 
um, off the stage um, and how it either was similar or different to the person that he was on stage. And so, like, you got a sense of who the guy was, and it was from people that knew and loved him, right? And, like, I, I think with a comedian like Patrice O'Neill and other comedians that, like, you know, the, the sort of woke mobs stay away from, uh, even though I'm pretty sure they've all seen the specials and they all laughed at it, but they just won't admit it. Um, like, you'll actually get a a good view of who this person is and why his comedy was so special to so many people. But then for somebody like George Carlin, they, it's almost like they've, like, dug up his corpse and are parading it around to, like, using it uh, to lecture other comedians with. You, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, I, it's almost, like, it's almost like, like, like digging up parts of his body like, uh, like, a, like a holy relic that a Catholic would use. You know, to, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, his no, bronze. Yeah. No, 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 totally. And, and, uh, the person who did, who, uh, made the special, uh, who like, you know, pr- uh, produced it. And I think directed it is, uh, Judd Apatow. And he's somebody who himself has become such a whiny, fragile guy. It's like, he, he said when uh, Will Smith slapped Chris Rock, that he was terrified and afraid and he felt unsafe. <laughs> I said, you're a grown man. Like, what are you talking about? Like, like if I was your wife, I'd be so embarrassed right now. Like, like, like what? <laughs> I bet your wife's boyfriend is so disappointed in you right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and to be fair, like the reactionary, are you triggered now uh, type of crowd, for a while I'd kind of claimed George Carlin. That was annoying too. Or they were like... Uh, yeah, you know, he was a free speech guy and he was uh wasn't afraid to be edgy and everything and, and now it's like it's the liberals turn to kind of parade the body around. It's like they're taking turns on uh, doing a weekend at Bernie's with his body and it's uh really just kind of annoying. I I just want a special about how funny he was and his and his comedic evolution and maybe show how he crafted jokes. You know, 'cause he he had an interesting uh three or four reinventions. He used to just be a regular clean uh Big comic, like set up punchline, set up punchline. Then he then he just evolved into what he became, and that's that's interesting to me. Like, show me more of that, and let's. Uh... And you know who they're starting to do this with now too. They're starting to do it with Bill Hicks, and I'm like, Bill, but Bill Hicks was not. He was not a clean and non problematic comedian. He made jokes that I don't know, man. I, I think if anybody actually sat down and watched Bill Hicks's oof, I uh, they wouldn't come away thinking that this was a guy who believed in punching up and not punching down um and then they they're they've they've been doing it with um oh my god how am i gonna forget the dude's name he's like one of my favorite comedians uh he always wore sunglasses and he had like the same thing like set up lockdown set up lockdown um and it was always like wordplay oh know, baked like potato that. guy um you know th- you know no such thing as uh as uh as broken escalators they just become stairs yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah i i can't believe i can't remember it either well, I, on the tip of my tongue, but yeah, Mitch Hedberg. Mitch Hedberg, yeah, Mitch Hedberg. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, they, yeah, they're trying to do it with him, but it's like, but Mitch Hedberg, like he, he also didn't punch up or punch down. He said things that were just funny because you didn't think about words that way. Like his you, his you whole can't brand. Why a single thing about his politics? From no, you can't infer anything about his politics because impossible. his jokes were just. His jokes were simply making you think about the way that you use like common phrases in a completely different way that you would normally contextualize them. That was that's what was so funny about him. I love that you brought up Bill uh, Bill Hicks a second ago because I think if you go back to 2016, it is literally no matter how many simulations you run, it is impossible to decipher what he would have said about the Hillary versus Trump election. Like it would be literally impossible. Absolutely. 
to like figure out exactly what he would say about that because I don't think you can take somebody who's been dead that long and like cipher them on to a recent event. But yeah, people yeah, want yeah. to do you it. Can't, you can't like um, the, like the thing that they do with uh, you know um, dead celebrities and then uh, they they like put them in. You can't do the whole uh, uh, fucking the the Star Wars thing where they they, they take like uh, Leia's Force ghost. Face, yeah, yeah, yeah. Leia's face and and like reskin it over another actor to make it seem as if Leia was still there, or the the dude that uh, that played, um, the the dude that was in Rogue One who had been like long, long dead. Like you can't just like reanimate his corpse with CGI and oh, yeah, pretend Tarkin. to know anything about what he would have thought. Yeah, exa- Grand Moff Tarkin. Yeah, exactly. You can't Grand yeah. Moff Tarkin Bill Hicks into current day politics. No. Um. Um, before we move on to the next caller, I just want to uh, say some stuff that's happening in the chat that I think is pretty interesting. Uh, Worldly Bong made some interesting points. He said, Cardin's daughter Lindy came out a few days before the 2016 election and said that if he was alive today, he would support Hillary and people that use his jokes to not participate in the two-party system don't understand him and that the liberals are parading Cardin's corpse around is because his daughter started doing it, which is pretty interesting because he used to, he used to bash the two party system and he used to actually defend mm-hmm. not voting. He, he had these jokes about. Uh, I remember one of his jokes. I used to like this joke. He said, "If you, if you, um, people say if you don't vote, you don't have a right to complain about the outcome." And he's like, "No, I have the opposite feeling. If I didn't vote, then I'm not responsible for what happened. So I actually can complain. If if you voted, and, and caused this shitty system, then." Uh, you're the one who needs to shut up. Like, you know, uh, I'm the one with clean hands because I didn't vote. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Put... Yeah, so so it kind of makes sense that um, his his daughter kind of changed the... And sometimes, because... I think we also give people's kids, like, way too much deference in these areas. Like, you know, two of MLK's kids are right-wing reactionaries. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I think people, I think people kind of like see Bernice King's tweets and assume that all of MLK's kids are like this, and it's like, no, they're they're really not. Like, a couple of them are kind of like they have really shitty politics. Uh, and and uh, the same thing with like um, Ronald Reagan's son, uh, Ron Reagan, uh, where they act as if. But he, he walks around, like, lecturing other conservatives as to what his father would have thought and that they've gone too far. But it's like, but, yo, you're a fucking Democrat. Like, and all the people that your dad hung out with, their politics haven't changed over the years. You're the one that's got a very strange and warped point of view about what your adoptive father was like. So th- this idea that, like, we're supposed to defer to what uh, deceased celebrities or politicians or whoever's children really have, like, the inside goods on what they would have said now. It's like, no, a lot of times they'll just... Um, they'll, they'll, it's like, it's like they use their, their, their deceased parents or family members as like flesh marionettes. You know what I mean? Like, like, like they just like, they, they, like they stick their, their hands up their dead parents and use them as sock puppets. But also, I mean, people can be wrong anyway. I mean, no one's a hundred percent right on anything. Like I hate this idea that, um, you know, somebody existed who would have been a hundred percent right all the time like okay maybe you're right x y and z person would have thought this well you know what who knows they would have been wrong like you know how many people managed to live to old age and you got to see them go from being seemingly right on everything to just having like shitty opinions like, like no i'm chomsky on twitter no I'm chomsky yeah we, yes. we see it on twitter all the time like people who are like 
are you serious? Are you are you really like a total shit lib now? And it's like, oh yeah, I guess you are. So it's like, I mean, God, like, um, just make your own decision on if something is good or bad. Like, like, um, people are wrong on stuff all the time. And imagine and if I don't Kurt understand. Cobain was still alive. Oh my God. <laughs> well, so imagine if who I, I you know I the only person I was wish I wish was still alive to see everything happening that we're seeing right now is Patrice O'Neill. I feel like if Patrice oh, O'Neill yeah. was still around, he would have, like, his comedy specials would be fucking just, that That would be the, the one glimmer of hope, the thing that makes me want to stick around uh, to live a long I'm, life for. I'm also curious if Patrice O'Neill would have uh, turned on those people who used him as a shield for the racism all the time, because oh, yeah. because I, I, I really can't imagine him still rocking with Anthony Camilla, and I would like to hope that he would kind of see the error of those ways over time, but who knows? I don't know. I think at that but, time, uh, I think at that time though, is is because like a lot of comedy was being, so like the bet noir of comedy at that time was liberal feminism, and it it somehow pivoted away from that into um, race and like categorizing everything that reactionaries don't like as woke culture. And I I feel like a lot of stuff that even he joked about would have fallen underneath that umbrella. For sure, for sure. And uh, I wanted to welcome CR back to the stage. And I also want to thank Dave for uh, his contributions. And as usual, anybody's welcome to come back up. But yeah, hey, how's it going, CR? Good. You guys hear me? Uh, yeah, I can hear you. You sound great. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, you sound great. Okay, sorry. Um, yeah, to circle back earlier um, that you guys were saying that, like, it, it, it's you really do kind of almost have to hate kind of both sides of it to a certain degree in terms of like the, the duopoly, right. They come at us with one side, you know, the, the, the woke side, Oh, this is what all this means. And that kind of stuff like that, you know, and then you have the, the, uh, 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 the crazy right wingers that are trying to glom onto it. Go like, Oh no, this is what the comedians really meant. And they're really for us. And, and people aren't really actually, um, you know, really appreciating what any of these artists are saying, whether you agree with it or not. They, they often just try to uh, uh, capitalize on it politically, you know, and so I thought, that, I thought that was a good point you guys made earlier, is that, that like both sides really kind of exploit it, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, real quick, I'm going to read some of the names that are in this um, George Carlin special, but they have uh, Chris Rock, which, you know, which is fine, Jerry Seinfeld, uh, Patton Oswalt, then there's like Stephen Colbert. Bill Burr, Bette Midler, um, W. Kamau Bell, Sam Jay, Judy Gold, John Stewart, and is that it? Is that, is it missing anybody? Let me scroll down. That's that's actually a half decent roster. That's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's, it, 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 it's half decent and half and half terrible, and I feel like the the terrible half they could have swapped out a lot of better people, but. There's enough good 100%. people in there that that I am that I am curious enough to just you know watch it. Even though I'm, I hate that Judge Judd Apatow is behind it, I, I so wish someone else was behind it. But uh, I actually, yeah, I actually watched I watched the whole thing. Oh, um, oh, how so was I it? I can, I, I, it, I would say in terms of like you know the standard kind of Hollywood package production, it's got you know it's got the right pacing, editing, all that kind of good stuff. And but like you said, I, I. I felt the exact same thing you're, you're, you're talking about, like, you know, no offense to some of these, these comedians, but it's like, you know, why, why are some of these people here? 
And in fact, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, I think the only comedian that could actually speak directly to knowing George was John Stewart in the documentary. I think maybe, I think maybe uh, it's like Patton Oswald or one of the other ones like said something about meeting him in passing. But in terms of actually being able to hang out with him, yeah, I'm pretty sure actually out of that whole roster, it's, it's sad to say, even though there's a lot of really great, great uh, people there that had uh, um, good stuff to say. Didn't him and Chris Rock do a movie together? Um, like, yeah, Dog Man. They did, uh, yeah, I know. Chris, 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 oh, that's right. You're right. Chris Rock was in there. But yeah, again, he was very brief. They didn't really, they, they actually didn't let very many of the comedians talk very long yeah. because they had so many of them. Each one of them only had like a two or three minute scene. And, and, Sam, and so, Sam, Jay, um, Sam Jay is the one I really don't understand because like no offense, yeah, I agree. No, no offense to Sam Jay, but she has a show called Pause. And and this is a problem that I kind of have with her show Pause. And I call it the, the no-name problem after the rapper no-name. Um, the rapper <laughs> no-name decided she wanted to become kind of woke and well-read, which I fully yeah, support. Yeah. But she went from, you know, she just started, re- and Killer Mike has this problem too, you know, where they decided, hey, I want to kind of um, be a thinking person uh, now. And they start reading books and they become a thought leader instead of just taking the time. It's like, okay, it's good that you want to read stuff and whatever, but you clearly haven't been doing it long enough to actually start taking the lead. Put, yeah, put up somebody yet. that you put up somebody that you know and respect rather yeah. than yeah, trying to lead the conversation to yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So maybe you started reading Angela Davis, you know. I mean, I'm not crazy about Angela Davis. It's a whole different story. <laughs> but but then platform Angela Davis or something. You know, you know, like you don't actually have to go straight from, you know, go straight to being a cowboy. You know, you, you know, you, you you can just uh be someone who's learning, you know, and 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 I feel like uh Sam J's show, she has just started getting into some of these issues and you can clearly see she hasn't been thinking about these issues very long, and she's having a whole show leading discussions and talking I, to I people about these issues. And you can clearly see it's, it's, like, it's like, yeah, it's like, I was going to say, it's like hold the blonde at the barbershop show, yeah. Hold on, I hate to interject, but let me, seriously, I think there's no reason to read into this one too deep, and I don't mean to be mean. Didn't okay. Sam J just get a new show on HBO? Oh yeah, you're right. That's fair. And then and then HBO does a documentary on George Carlin. So they're like, we gotta hype our new other show. Corporate I, I, I mean, I, Cor- exactly, yeah, exactly. That's I, that's what I'm saying. I think we shouldn't read into it too much because it's just. I think it's just these suits, these motherfucking suits that have no idea about culture, comedy. Just thinking like, oh, who's hot? Who did we just sign? Oh, we just signed Sam J. We'll get Sam J in the George Carlin thing. They're like, what's what Sam J know about George Carlin? I don't give a fuck. This is what we do, bitch. On to the next thing. You know what I mean? Like I, these corporate I, motherfuckers, I, 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 they don't give a fuck. And actually, I think what we're saying is not even like mutually um, exclusive because part of the reason out of oh, everybody, yeah, right. out of everybody, they put that they have a show on HBO into the special. You know, sure. they they know the best person to put is somebody who's considered socially conscious, like. Like George Carlin, so so I think we're both kind of saying the same thing from a different thing. Like they put her in there because of synergy. Like here's our living uh, modern George Carlin, our modern social um, commentary person. So right. let's put her in there for corporate synergy. But on top of that, why is she the modern 
uh, commentary person. She did, has a fraction of the qualifications in terms of like you know yeah. deep probing thoughts that George Carden has. Like her thoughts, if you ever seen the show, they're very, very banal. Her uh, political I, thoughts. I, they're, they're, they're do, you want, do you want the hot? Do, do you want the hot take? Oh, um, I, I think I know what your hot take's going to be, but please say it, and I'll see if I agree, because I, I think I know what it's going to be. I, it's just that, like... Okay, I'll, know, say, I'll, say, I'll say it for you. I'll say it for you to get you up to hope. You know what I'm saying? It, that diversity uh, uh, trait. Identity. Yeah. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She has, the right, she has the right identities, so because of standpoint yeah. theory, her identities automatically give her depth on, on topics. 100%. I'm... Yeah, I'm going and, to and not a, and not and not to diminish not to diminish yeah. uh, her uh, uh, life experience. None of that shit. Because I love everybody. I love all all humans the same. I don't, you know what I mean. I try my best to try to just wow. Treat I call I call I call, I call this one I call this one the white boy disclaimer. Keep going. <laughs> I, love, I, love all, right. I love all humans. I, they, they have to say I love all humans, whether they be I, white, white, black, pink, pink, purple, or green, or they say eh, I hate everybody equally. It's one of the two. <laughs> No, you know what I'm saying. Like I, I say, I, I'm, I just, I'm just giving. I'm giving you. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I love it. I love it. I'm just saying, like I try. You know, sometimes I fail. I, I'm like, I'm, I'm just as infallible as anybody else under the eyes of God, of course. You know, I, I, I try to, to 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 meet people as themselves, but I don't deal with like you know social contagions and social pressures and that kind of bullshit. You know what I mean? Come come to me as you are. And I will accept you as you are, of course, always. But I, I just don't follow narratives, mainstream, that kind of stuff like that. So when I see this shit, I see so much more of a, a cynical play from corporations. Corporations, are, they're sticking their fucking, they're licking their finger and they're sticking it in the wind. And they go, what's the way the tie going? Oh, right now, you know, uh, uh, trans rights and that kind of stuff like that is big right now. It's big. It's hot. It's in the, it's in the thing. So let's let's push that out there. You know, LBGTQ, let's... Let's push that out there right now. You know what I mean? And and maybe some of them do have good intentions, but the overall arching thing is is that they are just looking to maximize profits. My, my big problem with that, my big problem with that is, I think a lot of people feel the same way, and I I in a way I agree. But here's my problem: is that I think people assume that corporations um, just go along with like LGBTQ rights and activism and say these slogans because. It's a hot new thing. It's woke. It's going to make them money. But I think there's one more step to that, which is you're actually setting people up to fail. Like if you have somebody that you are, and this actually happens a lot in comic books, like T could tell you about this as well. If you are, rather than developing an organic audience and finding somebody who's just like, who can kill, like somebody who's really good, entertains audiences that people <laughs> actually want to see and hear from. Um, even if you are going to push like, you know, a, a particular, um, you know, like trying to put somebody over that comes from a diverse community. There's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is when you get the most banal, like the, the, the most like trite pedestrian people available to do this, you, you not only set up that person for failure, but then you set up yeah. that whole identity group for failure. Cause you've, you've basically said like, this is the best that we could possibly do. And they also get to say right. afterwards, Hey, we gave you all a shot. And you exactly. do it. So this is going to close right. the door on diversity for a while. And I think it's going to happen soon. I think when all these flops are done with, they're going to use that as an excuse to kind of roll things back. Um, I, I, I have, a, have a counter argument. I have a quick counter argument to that. You know why? Especially mm -hmm. when it comes to this other stuff, pharmaceutical industries, my friend. And right now in terms of uh, transitioning, 
there's a large amount of money to be made in, in, in the pharmaceutical industry. And, and, and Abbott, which is, you know, of course, one of the biggest motherfuckers right now that's fucking up the baby uh, uh, formula shortage. As a mo- they are also the motherfuckers who make the uh, COVID te- at-home test and <clears> what's <throat> that kind of shit. You know what I mean? They, they're right now, too, they're at the forefront, too, of making these medications that are for these uh, uh, for these communities. So I, I don't think that it, in terms of this forced diversity is going anywhere because it's profitable for big pharma. Um, well, I think it depends. Maybe for some things, but I think for um, for like the race stuff, uh, I don't think uh, big pharma is going to be able to help push with that. I, I, I think as far as like the transitioning stuff, big pharma has um, a stake in that. So I can see your point there, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think for like the, um, the race stuff, that's more in danger of kind of being rolled back. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Enough, yeah. Oh, enough, yeah. Enough, okay, you're right. I misunderstood. I misunderstood yeah. what you're saying. My bad. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. You're right about that. 100%. Yeah, yeah, and I think but, that, the, uh, and I think that's the thing that we're most we're most missing about this is that it isn't a playing it isn't a level playing field. We're not dealing with a fucking level playing field. There's a large amount of people that have been held back, you know, black and indigenous, and fucking you know Mexicans and you know some Asians. They've been held back for a long time. So when we talk about lifting people up. Everybody kind of pretends like it's some fucking even playing field that we're talking about. It's like, no, we got to, you know what I mean? It's like when you're like trying to boost the bass on your stereo, we got to boost the lower end. You know what I mean? The low end needs a little extra boost. You feel me? Yeah, yeah. But I think, I think one problem is going to I will, I will say that where, like, yeah. I, I do agree with you on, on one point, especially where it comes to like, uh, like Asian comedians. Like, it, I could go to, I could go downtown Toronto because um, my wife is like, re- she's really into comedy. Like, she loves comedy. She loves stand-up comedy. Like, that's her thing. Um, I like stand-up comedy too, but she's like a fanatic. And so, like, we could go downtown Toronto and find any number of um, stand-up comedy shops that'll have like, you know, like East Asian and South Asian comedians, and they don't sound anything like an Aquafina or um, an Ali Wong or any of these people. Like, they don't sound anything like them. They don't sound like fuck. Uh, dude that played Tom Havard for, for community, but they, they don't sound like these people at all. They, they sound like just regular, like working class people that make really funny jokes about like their lives growing up and the communities that they come from and so on and so on. And I was like, yeah, I can absolutely relate. So they're to being, that they're being they misrepresented like in pop culture. You would agree that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Like this, this, like uh this, like crazy rich Asians type of like, um, you know, like, uh, uh, like the, like the Cal pen type of humor. It, it doesn't resonate with me because it seems so fucking fake because a lot of it comes off as um, like failed sons and failed daughters of rich parents that decided to pivot from whatever track they were on at their, you know, uh, top tier universities to go pursue acting and comedy instead because that's what's up. It makes you money and it gets you popularity, but they're just not really good at it. But because they can relate to all of these rich assholes in Hollywood that need to fulfill their diversity quotas, that's who ends up getting ahead. And all of these other comedians, like they'll be languishing away in you know, Yuck Yucks or the Laugh Factory or wherever, and no one's gonna give them an opportunity. And yet they set, like, they're people that will actually make other people laugh because they can relate to yeah. material in the life circumstances. Yeah, yeah that's, exactly. that's what I was gonna say is that I agree with CR that you know the bottom has to be lifted, but the problem is 
the people on the top are the ones choosing who gets lifted from the bottom and they're choosing the ones that make them uh comfortable like you know like uh you give so, like, them the, the clout for diversity they get to lift up certain people so they go hey look aren't i diverse aren't i good and, and they choose like the worst ones like like i don't understand why every single uh south asian or east asian comedian you find is always talking about um problems with the white boyfriends with their white boyfriends going on in the asian american community than that is ali is ali wong's husband white no he's asian but no but she would always like joke about she would always joke about cheating on his ass and then he after her last special like I think like two weeks after her last special dropped, he left her. And I'm like, I can't blame the bro because I mean, wow. yeah. Uh, I don't know wow. her humor. I I don't know her jokes, so I don't know. Oh she's, man, she's, I, she's, her really, last... she's really good. She's really good, actually. She's I don't find her that funny. And I don't know, like I find she's just no. Really but think about think about in terms husband. of like yeah. now think about it in terms does she serve her audience well and she's not hacky like me and you like I I would agree I don't seek out her comedy but when I've seen her specials I'm like my God she's good. She got yeah. the right timing. I've seen, I've seen some of her she jokes. She knows to speak and, to her audience. And, and, and they work. I've seen some of her jokes, and she actually seems competent to me. I've never seen a whole special. Yeah. But, but I mean, like, she's at least she doesn't just do TED Talks. I'll give her that. She has actual yeah. jokes. Not, like, not, like, you know, not my cup of tea, but I think she's good. Yeah. Um, uh, CR uh, is going to move on to Lance and close it with Lance. But thanks so much for uh, joining us. Appreciate, and, uh, appreciate you guys. Yeah, no problem. And... Hey, Lance, you are the last one in the queue, so no pressure, but we're counting on you. Make it good. Oh, okay, we'll see. I'll try. <laughs> funny. I saw George Carlin once in time. Oh, nice, nice. I saw George Carlin. Okay, it's already off to a good start. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I saw him in concert a million years ago. Uh, I practically had his albums memorized, you know. I mean, I'm a huge, more than a fan. I think he's one of the great, just a brilliant commentator on society. And, you know, to call him a comedian, I'm not saying he's as great as Mark Twain. I think that uh, there was more of just, you know, it's different. It's different. Okay. But, you know, like being an important rock and roll star versus being an important author. Okay. But in the vein of Mark Twain or Will Rogers, just getting up on stage and talking about, you know, social commentaries. I wouldn't call him a comedian anyway, his last phase, you know. And it is funny to hear liberals. Embrace him, which makes sense. You know, he's counterculture. He was, and you know, uh, truth to power and all the rest. He was no liberal. Clearly not a liberal. No, he was not. No. Basically, I'd say, and you know what's funny? A lot of people, like, okay, Jack Kerouac, Beat Generation. You know, you know who Jack Kerouac is, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, he was a conservative. On the road. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was a conservative. He liked Eisenhower. And he was a total mama's boy who, when he wasn't going on the road, he went back to Quebec and hung out with his mom, Mammon, who he just loved and adored and would do anything for. Right? That, that's what he was. He was not, you know, who people think he is. And there was a picture of the, on the cover that I read, which was a couple of hippie, it was a hippie couple. It's like, that's the last thing Kerouac cared about. And even Frank Zappa. I know you guys know who Frank Zappa is. Brilliant, brilliant thinker. Yep. Yeah. And he would have gotten involved in, again, I, he's, again, clearly not a liberal. He's more of a libertarian. He thinks drugs are bad. And I, being a libertarian, he wouldn't outlaw them probably. But he wouldn't allow if, – if he found that you smoked pot in your hotel room the night before a gig, you know, even if you weren't stoned that day, you're gone. I mean he was anti-drug. So Zappa was a, kind of a libertarian. And so a lot of these people aren't who we think they are. But in terms of his content, you guys know who Don Rickles is? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, Can you he, imagine? He, 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 he made he like he made racial comedy popular. Among yeah, but the thing is, for, yeah. yeah, what's funny about it is that he's known for being one of the sweetest, nicest, like you know, caring, wonderful guys, like off stage you could ever imagine. And that's yeah. why, if you're going to talk about Dave Chappelle, Dave Chappelle's wearing that chip on his shoulder about what he thinks trans people think of on stage. I think he's a dick. Okay, Dave Chappelle's a total dick, and he's not that funny with the trans jokes, okay? And he's taking it personal. That's not what comedy's supposed to be. That's punching down. And I don't care. Hey, if you want to say that the trans community is whack, and it's a bunch of trendy bullshit and weirdness, absolutely. But to do it and then a back and forth like you're in some fight with a bunch of trans people, he's a dick. I'm sorry, Dave Chappelle. But in terms of George Carlin, or first of all, obviously, Don Rickles could never exist today. Can you imagine someone going on stage and saying, hey, you got a spick over there. What are you doing with that? What, do you want a burrito? And, you know, hey, yeah, look at you over there. You know, I mean, it's just impossible. And so, in other words, but in terms of the content of George Carlin, I just think he's just brilliant. And he was such a, like, I don't give a fuck anymore. You can almost call him a nihilist because he would say things like, what humans are worried about cleaning up the planet? Fuck it. Maybe we'll all just drop. Dead. He would say things like this. Maybe once all the humans drop dead and get the fuck out of here, the planet will be a lot better off. You know what I mean? He didn't couch things like he was trying to be right or wrong. He was just saying, "Fuck it all, man. It's a game, and you're not in it. It's a, it's all fixed. It's all rigged." And I don't know how you can, you know, unless you're a conservative right winger or something, maybe. But he's just right on, right on point. But I don't know why you got, I don't know what you think about his content. The documentary of his, Judd Apatow and the daughter sounds like they're trying to like pigeonhole this guy through his daughter into being some kind of liberal icon. That sounds like bullshit. I haven't seen it, but anyway, what do you think about what I said? One, one, one thing I will say about George Carlin is that I do think, and I'm curious if you agree. I do think near the end of his career, he really did do less jokes than he used to and did more commentary but i will also say i think he earned the right to do that by being a solid comic and being really good at telling jokes for a long time whereas some of these new people they come out the gate just not really doing jokes just doing commentary disguised as um humor but i'm wondering if you if you agree with the idea that you know near the end of his career he really was doing more commentary he, he was he was up. doing commentary but i i will take george Collin commentary over like hannah gatsby commentary 10 times out of 10 oh yeah sure over yeah, who's like, to, over who's commentary yeah uh over who commentary i would i would take george Collin commentary 10 times out of 10 over like hannah gatsby commentary right well, i didn't like, hear that over hannah who oh yeah. hannah, hannah, Gats- gatsby. hannah gatsby had this special called um nanette and, and it's interesting about her i didn't know this but she had a second special that nobody talks about. So I think people. I, kind I of, saw it. I saw kind it. Of proof that people kind of. I never heard about it. No one. I feel like it's barely talked about compared to the first one, which makes me think the novelty already kind of wore off. Because, you know, because she, because she fucking canceled. She canceled Picasso, right? That's why everyone was so like, everyone was so enraptured with it. You know, she has like you know her. Her, you know, her art background, and uh, you know, her in her special, she talked about like you know violence against women, and and talked about uh, um, Picasso being a, a predator, and all, all sorts of other stuff. And I'm just like, like none of this is actually funny to me. But I, I think it was just the whole um, widespread audience reaction. Like, yo, I thought I was tuning in for a comedy special, and I'm getting a TED talk, and um, the woke mob on Twitter turned it into it's only guys that are saying this when it clearly wasn't like a lot of people from across the spectrum were saying yeah this is just not this is not really comedy 
and everyone turned it into a gender issue where it's like, oh, well, guys just don't get women's comedy. It's like, you really don't want to use Hannah Gatsby as your exemplar because if your point is to if your point is to tear down this misogynistic idea that women just aren't funny, this is not who you want to parade around as your champion. And and, and somebody somebody said in the chat that uh, they did not try to pigeonhole uh, Carlin as a liberal icon in the documentary, which is good because on Twitter they, they make it seem like like <laughs> happening. So. So at least, at least that's a at least that's a good thing. You know what I'm oh man, you're having a hard time. Okay. Oh man, hold on, that doesn't sound good. I'm gonna have to um, put you on mute for a second. Ooh, that didn't sound good. Uh, yeah. So um, yeah, no offense, Lance. There was just a lot of coughing going on, and I had to move you out of there. But I mean, I think I think we're done anyway. Uh, thanks for calling in, Lance and CRS and Dave and everyone else who. Who called in? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good to end it there. But do you have any final thoughts, Q? No, uh, so that, I really that I feel I need to say on these topics. Um, yeah, it, I mean it was, it was great show, and I really appreciate everybody's input on this one. I just, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. If there's anything that we, I can, I hope that we can take away from this is that one, if you don't like something that you're watching, just fucking turn it off or leave. And even if you want to, like, if you want to have uh, a public commentary or a public discourse about it, talk like a normal fucking human being and not somebody who, uh, the moment that, like, something gets in front of your eyeballs that makes you feel uncomfortable, like, you're just going to completely fall apart. Because, (laughs) frankly, like, if you're, if what you're, if what you're uh, hoping to do is lead a cultural revolution, hey, I'm all for it. I just, I don't want to be standing next to you. You know what I mean? Yeah, and also like have good faith takedown. Like if you just want to say, "Hey, I don't like uh, Dave Chappelle because he's not funny and he's mean spirited," like that's fine, you know. Or if you want to point to specific jokes and why they don't work, but one thing I don't like is when people are trying to say stuff like he was attacking uh, black trans people specifically. It's like, okay, no, he did not say that. Like, like you don't have to like make up stuff to critique him. There's enough to critique him in the actual content you know that i think is is valid you know what i mean like uh, no, I, I just uh, my whole thing is my whole thing is that like if you the, the 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 affected fragility thing doesn't help anybody because i i just i don't want to and this is one of the reasons why um i get a lot of shit from uh especially like black lgbtq people right because they, they say that i write for straight people too much but my whole thing is just like yeah, I've, I've faced like biphobia and homophobia from a lot of different places. I, I feel like I face it less from black people. But one of the things that uh, one of the things that I refuse to participate in is this just like is is acting as if I am so like traumatized and like shaken to my core by every like minor social transgression that happens to me that I'm barely able to function and live my life with, you know, without the assistance of like um heavy medication and 24 7 therapy like it's, it's just like yeah it, the shit is serious but at least try to pretend that you're a grown adult and you can deal with the difficulties that life throws at you without trying to make everybody feel bad for you like i'm not i, I the one thing that i never want I, I want people to take me seriously but i don't want people to pity me or feel sorry for me to the extent that they're going to start treating me better treat me good because i'm a human fucking being and not because you feel bad for me and i feel like a lot of the stuff is just people going out of their way to make others feel sorry for them and that's like that's not the way to claim power at least not for me 
Yeah, I think it's a good place to end it. I don't think I can I can top that. So I will stop it there. I'll just say for anybody in the audience, uh, feel free to follow the people on stage and to follow the show as well. Um, we appreciate any and all support. And um, check out ChampagneTrucks.com to find ways to you know support my podcast ventures and check out um, uh, the culture. Actually, uh, tell people where to check out the culture stuff, Q, so people yeah. know about that well, as well. If you check out my profile, um, you'll see that I help host uh, a few other shows. There's the Unredacted show with Glenn Greenwald, but also uh, The Drop Squad with uh, Reddy and Jamel, as well as uh, theculture.tv on Tuesdays with uh, Mikey and on Thursdays with Kieran. Um, that's primarily, you know, socialist analysis of uh, current news and events and so on. And if you like us, please support us. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash theculture.tv, culture with a K, uh, dot TV. And uh, yeah, if uh, you want our shows to continue, um, when you come back next week, Sunday, please make sure you log the fuck into an account or create one so that it actually counts for our, our, our listens um, when Colin audits uh, all of our shows. Uh, well said. So, yeah, thanks and take care, everybody. Have a good night. Good night.